Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to the Department of Defense Bloggers Roundtable for Wednesday, November 5th, 2014. My name is William Selby with the Office of the Secretary of Defense Public Affairs, and I'll be hosting the roundtable. Uh, a few, few notes for the bloggers online. Please remember to clearly state your name and or organization in advance of your question. Please keep your questions succinct and to the point. And if you're not asking a question, we ask that you place your phone on mute. Uh, today, we're delighted to have Mrs. Rosemary Freitas Williams, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Military, Community, and Family, family Policy. She's going to be discussing Military Family Month and support available to military families who provide service members with invaluable support through encouragement and love during long deployments, frequent moves, and some very early mornings. Uh, Ms. Freitas Williams, if you, I'm sorry, Ms. Williams, if you uh, have an opening statement, you can go ahead with that now. Thank you. I'm not good with statements, especially with bloggers, so I'll just speak off the cuff. Um, this is Military Family Month. We're very excited about that. We've chosen uh, to emphasize the modern milita uh, military family. And with that, I'd just like to remind folks that we have, um, that today's modern military family is quite diverse. And uh, we're talking about single parents, same-sex parents, <clears throat> an increased number of families with aging loved ones, and also um, a change in the diversity also, also goes to the mission. Uh, women are going to be serving in more combat roles. Uh, six months ago, we would not be talking about supporting a mission such as Ebola, so that's really uh, quite a shift in, uh, in um, how our families support um, our military service members. And also, there's an increase in uh, reliance on community and volunteers and our civilian neighbors to make our family community stronger, as strong as possible and resilient as possible. With that, I'd like to, I'm more interested in your questions than me bloviating, so if you don't mind, I'd love to entertain your questions. Thank you very much, ma'am. And uh, first on the line was Tom Goring. You can go out with your question. All right. Uh, ma'am, thank you very much for this opportunity. My name is Tom Goring. I'm the webmaster and retired Navy, actually, from for Navy Cyberspace, uh, NavyCS.com. Um, I have actually a, a number of questions. I went on um, my site and I asked, let everybody know that I was going to be talking to you, and, and some of the questions that came up are pretty interesting. And I'll start off with one. Uh, there's currently a push to have military members and dependents be able to enroll, or is there currently a push to have military members and dependents to be able to enroll in in-state college prices where they're stationed? I know that some colleges make, um, they do provide in-state tuition for military members, not necessarily dependents. Sometimes they do, but is there any push to maybe make that standard across the board? Because we do transfer so often, and we do end up in some areas that may not be as military friendly in the colleges anyway. Thank you. Thank you, Tom, and thank you for your question. You know, we get this quite a lot, so which tells us we're doing a bad job of getting the word out. Um, the bottom line is there is a there are a set of guidelines that um, go to residency, and in most cases. Um, now, the military member, that's one piece. The dependents is another piece, and uh, we can send you that link, but they absolutely in-state uh, tuition is available to those who qualify. And, and honestly, the qualifications are much uh, looser, if you will, than for civilians. And um, it's, uh, we're, so, again, I think we're just getting the, we're, we're not getting the word out. Well, I would love helping, or help to get that word out. You betcha. That link would be great. No, nope, absolutely. Consider it done. Thank you. And next we have uh, Phyllis Simbler-Miller. Hi. Yes, Phyllis Simbler-Miller, MrsLieutenant.blogspot.com. What I'm interested in is any special programs to help family members of uh, 
active duty or veterans who are suffering from PTSD and traumatic brain injury. So Phyllis, if I'm to understand your question, it's about existing programs for PTSD and TBI for the families? For the family, for the family members who are affected by the PTSD of a member of their family. We have a number of uh, programs and we have a number of also initiative and pilots, so we try to keep it evidence-based. And as you can imagine, the research is not uh, as well-developed as we'd like it to be, only because we've been dealing with this with, uh, for a limited number of years. But we are catching up. We've got a number of good programs. The uh, crown jewel would be Military OneSource, and that would be 24-7-365 um, confidential help for families on any topic, particularly around uh, behavioral health. Now, once we, uh, that's counseling. Once we get into what some refer to as secondary PTSD, um, now we're yeah. talking about family-centered care. And I know right. VA is embracing family-centered care. Uh, DOD is as well. If that gets into health affairs, and that's out of our bailiwick, but we know that they're uh, keen on supporting the family through these. For specific programs that support the families, I have with me Barbara Thompson, who runs our Family Readiness Department, and Dr. Kelly Mahandro, who runs Military One Source for us. And they can go a little bit more in chapter and verse on some of these resources that are available to our families around issues of PTSD and TBI if you want uh, more granularity. We can do that right now if you'd like. Okay, just, you know, a couple of minutes in case everyone's not interested in All right, just the, we'll just do the wave top. Uh, Phyllis, this is Barbara speaking. I would suggest that you um, check out the Defense Center of Excellence uh, cycle of Psychological Health and Traumatic Brain Injury. They have a resource booklet that goes into a myriad of programs that support not only the service member but also the family members. And I would say that would be a really good um, starting point for the, um, the mental health side of the, the, the issue. On prevention, I'll turn it over to Kelly because she can go more in depth on what we do in our non-medical counseling role, which is prevention and, again, building awareness of um, the issues at hand. Absolutely. Hello, Phyllis. This is Kelly Mahandro. If you access the Military One Source website at www.militaryonesource.mil, you will find listed a summary of resources available on specific to TBI and PTSD. You can also call our call center and our triage consultants will be happy to provide information about additional resources that are available for PTSD and TBI for both service members and family members. In addition, as Barbara said, our non-medical counseling program through Military One Source and the Military and Family Life Counseling Program focuses on prevention. We focus on what is commonly called the V-codes, which are the normal reactions to stressful situations, such as marital issues, the stress of returning from deployment, reintegration, children moving from one state to another state, children moving within schools, um, parental issues, engaging with children, etc. We offer non-medical counseling, as I said, through both programs, the Military One Source Program and the Military and Family Life Counseling for all active duty National Guard and Reservist service members and their family members, regardless of activation status. Does that help answer your question, ma'am? Yes. I'm just wondering, though, people like things simple. What is the one thing if someone, one place, one link to start with. 
Right. So, so that's, it's a little bit more complex than that, and I don't mean to dismiss your question, but the one source would be military one source, and from there you can pick what you want. Sometimes it's a book. There are some amazing books available for our children um, through military one source that help walk them through a process, you know, whether it's uh, about TBI or PTSD, and they, are, and they are nothing short of remarkable. There's also the issue where the child becomes a caregiver, and mm -hmm. is not expressing him or herself about the, the pressure of feeling like a caregiver. So there are all kinds of tools because every single family member is going to be different, how they respond, how they react, and how they are impacted. So what we do is we try to make it as easy as possible. You go to Military One Source, you can call a counselor 24-7, talk about what the issue is, and from there they can actually tailor um, the unilateral needs of this family member, not the family, but the family member, Taking in mind that we look at everything through a family uh, center, uh, family centric care, uh, we take the whole family into um, into account when we when we give it when we give counsel. Um, so we're really not um, going to ever assume that every family is going to respond the same, but we mm -hmm. are going to do everything we can to make sure that the wide array of resources answer every single concern that a family, as many of those concerns that a family may have, right down to the individual member and how they re react, respond, and otherwise act out. Okay, thank you. And I think that's very uh, good, especially expression tailored for a specific family member within family-centered care. Yes, ma'am. So yes, ma'am. And Amy, you are next. Thank you so much. This is Amy Bouchot. I'm a reporter with Military.com. Um, I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about resourcing, um, resourcing some of these resources, for lack of a better description. Uh, we have been in a drawdown state, but now we are deploying troops to other places, such as Africa, to fight Ebola. I'm here at Fort Campbell. Um, about half of the people who are going to do that fight are coming from this coast. Uh, but nonetheless, we are still under a uh, drawdown mentality in terms of the reduction of resources from, from the perspective of uh, just looking at what's going on on post. So I was hoping maybe you could give us a view into what's coming down the pipe in terms of resourcing uh, and making sure that these people who deployment is very much not over for still have access to uh, family resources. Hmm. All right. Let me take it a little bit at a, at, a, at a time. Let me pull it apart a little bit, Amy. So it is nearly impossible for me to predict. One, we are preparing for sequestration, but we're hoping it doesn't come, Which and hope is not a strategy. So we are planning as if um, it's coming. And one thing that we're doing at the, oh, at the OSD level is to do a deep dive, a really hard scrub on all of our programs and initiatives, and make sure that they're evidence-based. They must be evidence-based. They must be. They, we must know they work. And sometimes it's a work in progress. Sometimes we know going in, but nonetheless, it has to be evidence-based. The second piece is utilization. The best idea in the world, and we have a bunch of them, are useless if people are not using them. Those will be on the chopping block, and we have a grim reality that we face, and that is there might be some good ideas that are out there that are just not taking hold, and we may have to abandon them. So with that, with that lens of uh, evidence-based and utilization, that's how we face everything, period, dot. The second piece of your question, I will tell you, um, for years, military families were not entirely clear um, where their service members would be deployed, right? So they, the families learn to adjust to that piece. 
Then they were never entirely sure when they were coming back. Not always. Sometimes they did, and sometimes they get extended, sometimes shortened. But the when became kind of an unknown. And now, in the last six months or so, we have now faced with the newest issue for military families, and that's the what. And as you say, Fort Campbell is supporting something that we would not have been able to imagine six months ago. So I think what we have to do is make sure that our programs are evidence-based, that people are using them, but also key to everything is knowing, making sure that our military community knows what resources are available to them. And we really struggle with that. We struggle with that outreach piece, and we absolutely, hands down, are going to reach um, our military community in any way possible, in any way we can. We've launched a uh, initiative called uh, it's an outreach initiative, and it's about reaching our so-called military ennials. And these are folks in our military community who are aged 18 to 35. Uh, they live and thrive online. We're going to get information to them about the resources they have in language they use where they are, so that when they need it, they have it. And so someone may, and not every military family identifies as a military family. So we're finding out through research where they are. So for instance, um, someone may identify as a mom long before they identify as a military family member. A service member would readily admit to being a motorcycle enthusiast before he says he's a reservist or she says a reservist. So we're finding out where they are and we're sneaking in these messages, if you will. Sneaking is not a word I want you to use. We're embedding these messages to them so that they can be reminded of the resources uh, that they have before uh, their issues become a crisis. And we're very keen on this uh, um, integrated outreach and engagement strategy, the centerpiece of which is Military OneSource. That is going to be the hub of this integrated strategy, and so far so good, because we know that folks like uh, it's we're not we're not going back to the way of the trifold and posters. They they don't go away, but it's not no longer going to be the primary source of information. And frankly, a lot of service members don't always um, relay the information they will get um, to the families because of um, the dynamics of today's modern military families. So we want to make sure we reach them anywhere, everywhere. I hope that helps. I just would like to add something to, um, if that's all right, this is Barbara speaking. Um, one of the initiatives we've been working on with the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill and um, the University of Georgia is what we've entitled a community capacity building project. And in it, um, the, the goal is to help inform our helping professionals uh, internal to DOD to connect to external helping professionals who live and work in the community where our military members and their families are located. And so the department recognizes that um, we may not be able to do everything for everybody at every time, depending on the military service and what they're offering and what they are um, looking at as being prime programs to support their service members and their families and their mission. So we really need to look at how can we rely on the civilian community to augment what we're doing in the department. And we want to do that strategically. Um, can you, um, uh, Rosemary, can you potentially give me a example of one of these embedded messages that you talked about? Um, I gave you a pretty good one. So one, one thing we would like to do is if you are on Military One Source and you're looking at um, materials for um, your new baby. We would like you to be reminded at that time that, hey, this might be a good time to look at how financially ready you are. 
So call one of our financial readiness consultants who are available to you anytime, day or night, and uh, to help uh, get you ready for um, the new dynamics of having a baby. Does that make sense? It's called conversion. Yeah, yes, ma'am, it does. Okay, so, and I think you're already familiar with that. So now there are some things that are done in the private sector that are new to DOD, and we're very excited about that. <laughs> um, and conversion is one of those things. And we want to make sure that we um, – Barbara and I, one time, we were talking about it, and it's an organization called them Nudge Strategies, and we love that. You know, So what causes us to finally call a health and wellness coach at Military One Source? What finally gets us – what nudges us towards that financial readiness counseling appointment? And that's what we're keen on. We're keen, keen on – um, it's less about embedded, and it's more about um, reminding folks when we have the opportunity of uh, the resources available to them. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Back to you. Uh, yes, ma'am. Our sir. Thank you. Ma'am, uh, you mentioned cuts and, and planning. One of the low-hanging fruit that I guess DOD may be biting at occasionally, at least in my mind and, and others, is for those who qualify for the post-9-11 GI Bill benefit, their opportunity for completing their college education has never been as good, I mean, if, especially since VEEP. And because the current benefit uh, currently can fund a total four-year college education, is there a push or any kind of plan in place to maybe eliminate uh, tuition assistance funding? No. Thank goodness. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> Did you have a follow-up, Tom? <laughs> well, not a follow-up, but I, it, it, you know, I, I got a little unsettled when she mentioned that uh, there may be cuts coming. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's. You know what, Tom? So to um, make a long, to give you, to give you a little bit more about of a, a better answer. So the the services have um, flexibility on how they implement tuition assistance, and we encourage that. So. The Air Force, for instance, for many years said, uh, welcome to the Air Force, um, sign up for classes. Uh, Marine Corps says, welcome to the Marine Corps. Um, we are keen on you becoming a Marine and only a Marine and only focusing on being a Marine. And after a year, welcome to college. So, we, And we don't want to ever uh, do anything to take away certain flexibilities of the services given their cultural differences which make them rich communities unto themselves. And we're never going to uh, put a dent in that. So how they implement it is really up to the, uh, up to the services, and, uh, but I don't, I don't see that going away anytime soon. There's a lot of support for it, both the DOD, the White House, and uh, congressional interest. Outstanding. And, and that, again, it was, I didn't think it was going to go away. No, it never hurts to ask. Never hurts to ask. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. You betcha. Thank and you. Phyllis. No further questions, thank you. Phyllis, come on, you've got one in there somewhere. I know you do. Well, I just like, I don't know if it's really related, but I still want, I'm always curious whether people uh, active duty reporting for, P, you know, not reporting, asking for PTSD help does affect them in their units and their promotion. Oh, I do have another question. Do you want to talk about sexual assault or not? Well, it's out of our bailiwick, but we can talk about um, domestic violence or child abuse. Okay, go ahead and talk about that. <laughs> so we enjoy a close relationship with our brothers and sisters on the sexual assault team. Uh, we meet mm -hmm. on a regular basis. 
we find one of our challenges internally is to make sure that folks understand the difference between the two and how they're answered. It took me, I have to admit, it took me a while to figure it out. And um, once you do, it's sort of an aha moment. And we are keen on seeing, well, the rate of abuse, domestic violence, and child abuse and neglect, the rate in our military community is, the numbers are lower than the general population. Um, one is too many, and we really want to see the rate go down, not up. So we're looking at it, we look at the numbers constantly, and we look at prevention very seriously. We've embarked on an arduous prevention process um, that takes too long to explain, but it's, think of brainstorming on steroids, it's really remarkable. And through that process, which was three days, we came up with a number of recommendations, and now that goes to the executive level to make sure that they can be implemented, and then we're going to track the implementation. We are very keen on that prevention piece, and uh, there's no team that works harder than the family advocacy program folks. Um, in addition to that, we're also looking hard at, um, when we talk about prevention, there's a fabulous couple of programs. One is the New Parent Support Program. Uh, once a family... Uh, volunteers or signs up for this program, they get in-home visits, and they have a remarkable success rate. If anybody who's had a, got themselves in a pickle with domestic or child abuse before, there's like a 96, thank you, Barbara Thompson, 96% chance they will never get themselves in a pickle again, if you, if you can track that. Also, Strong Bonds is a very popular program that's being piloted now, put out to different installations. I don't think it's going to be full implementation for a little bit, though, right? right. Strong Bonds is the chaplain program for marriage oh. counseling that the Army um, sponsors. I think you're talking about Family Foundations. Family which Foundations. Is, which is a prevention program to help a couple um, strengthen their coupleness, if you will, before <laughs> the baby arrives so that they're kind of on the same page uh, and understand their responsibilities and how they're now going to change with the baby coming into their picture. Fabulous. And there's another one I'm kind of excited about. And I don't have children, but I've seen the impact um, through my own uh, extended family, and that is the massage program. So to increase the bonding with uh, between child and parents, uh, parents are taught about baby massage, right, Barbara? Intimate massage. Intimate massage. So if, I know it sounds kind of kooky, but it's, again, it's evidence-based. It's proven to work. So we're going at the prevention piece um, six ways to Sunday, and we share a number of, number of working groups with our sexual assault folks um, so that we are always on the same page. So what about the fact that a private who's married and has a child Really, can they really afford to pay for diapers, et cetera, on that salary? What, what, what are the assistance programs when they're at the very low levels of service members? We have a number of, well, we have one uh, FSA. We have a number of um, programs that help, um, that help families, young, young families with lots of kids. I think, I know this is going to sound like a dodge, but I promise you it's not. The key to success if you're, uh, for some of these younger families is honestly fa financial counseling. Right? And then call Education. military one source for resources. Right, and call, exactly. Yep, Dr. Mahandra's dead on. I mean, we, we get these folks to call us and say they're in a pickle, they're headed for a pickle. We will help them uh, through that. I'll tell you, this is a true story. So we had a call once upon a time, and a woman was upset about um, balancing her checkbook. It was all about money, and she felt like her credit card was over. And she was, because the people who answer the phone at Military One Source are master's level and above social workers, after a couple of minutes, 
the real reason she called came out, and that is her service member had not been home for six days. So it, these are trained professionals. So they're, they're not going to just put them into, you know, some queue to get some article. No, no, these are people who are treated, and the, the real nature of what's concerning them is, is taken care of. Interesting. So what happens? What can you do when someone doesn't show up for six days? Oh, you know what? I mean, I there's uh, if every single malady you can think of has come to military one source. I'm getting big head nods from my colleagues here. If you can think it is, it has come. And we're talking elder care. Uh, we're talking uh, exceptional special needs, not just children, but um, spouses and dependents. Educational consultation. My goodness, what am I going to do with my life? The spouse employment program swamps the call center. We have had 65,000 uh, spouses hired since the beginning of our spouse employment program uh, about three years ago. And that's when they call, they're not just looking for a job or a career. They want to know, help me with my resume. I've only volunteered for the last 15 years, and I need a job. Uh, there's the spouse who feels like she just needs a job to pay for the ballet lessons and the soccer travel camp. Well, guess what? Travel, soccer travel. Well, we will get you that job, but we want to make sure it's commensurate with the career you're going to want when the kids leave the nest. So uh, we go at it pretty, um, pretty strategically. Uh, that's not really answering your question. There are a number of things that couples can, uh, a spouse can do when a service member doesn't show up, but that's not by any stretch, the majority of the calls we get. It tends to be about these broader issues. And it's a follow-up? I mean, if someone calls and gets advice, is there a follow-up call to make sure that they're actually on yeah. track? Within one to three days. Within one to three days, and I think 90, uh, I'm, I'm not, not going to swag. Within three days, people will call back, and then um, they enjoy a, a, a very, very, very high customer satisfaction rate. But I was trying to think the number of everybody gets called back. Everyone gets called back who agrees to be called back. That's right. They that's say, right. no, please don't contact me again, then we will not. Force that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's where I was, that's where I was struggling with it. Percentage. Thank you. So we get a call back if they agree to get called back. But it's offered. Can I, the person says, can I call you? Yeah, you betcha. Exactly right. Okay. And we track all those. And then it comes, um, there's a monthly, more information than you need. There's a monthly utilization report, which I read like a Nora Roberts novel. I mean, it is so interesting because it tells me, um, it tells us who's going where and who calls for what reason and what articles are they accessing. And it's fascinating reading, I have to tell you. So relationship issues are high on the list. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Mahandro, who is addicted to data, um, dives into this stuff. And actually, if you had more time, you'd be so much happier diving into that stuff. I, I know you would, yeah. Um, but the, the deeper we go, the more information we get, which only makes our program stronger. And, again, it's that evidence-based piece. We can say, you can't touch military one source. We get 885,000 calls in, in fiscal year 13. We enjoy 1.75 unique users in the same amount of time. We're, would, how on earth would you take that apart? Why would you do that when we only have up to go? Thank you. Very interesting. And I'm also interested in data analysis, so I'm very pleased to hear that you are really reading it like a Nora Roberts novel. I know. <laughs> Barbara, too. Barbara Thompson, I think she might be, of the three of us, she might be, well, I guess it's a tie. I, not so much the data. I like the research. No, you like the research. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. We have a data head, and we have a research research gal, and then uh, we, we, we enjoy comparing notes, too. It makes us stronger. <laughs> Good.
things. Amy, you are next. Yes, thank you. Um, I was hoping, um, since uh, just a few seconds ago when we were talking about my last question, you were talking about how we're using Military OneSource specifically for this conversion, but uh, doing that gets has to require people be on Military OneSource. So I was hoping that you could talk to me a little bit about what you're doing, uh, maybe that's new or different, to push people to the Military OneSource site, get them there at all. It's such a smarty pants. <laughs> um, I mean that in the nicest way. So um, you're exactly right. So what we're doing is we're finding people aren't necessarily going to Military One Source. They are going to Cafe Mom, right? They are going to places where uh, thebump.com. Um, I'm trying to think where I go. And so we are engaging uh, those folks in our messages so that we can um, help uh, get them to help us push out the messages. I'm in a bit of an um, arm wrestle with general counsel right now as to um, how far we can take this. So a lot of other federal agencies are doing it. Uh, private industry has been doing it for years. And DOD is really leaning forward in the saddle to figure out how we can get to 100% yes. But for now, we know where folks are and how they're engaging, and we are allowed to go where they go and post information that's pertinent to them, much like the example I gave you. Um, but to further engage with organizations is going to take a little bit more time with general, working with general counsel to make it. So, you know, they want to protect our, our military community, and I respect that. And as far as I go and everybody on my team, when general counsel says no, we, we, we take it that way. But they're the first ones to come back and say, so how do we get to yes? And that's where we are. It's, it's a process. Thank did you. Answer, did that answer your question? Yes, ma'am. Are you sure? Did you have, Did you have any follow-up, Amy? Hey, girl. Uh, I, uh, uh, not, not right now, no. Roger that. And Tom? I believe I am fresh out of questions, and I want to thank you again for the opportunity. And uh, a couple of my other questions were actually answered when uh, Phyllis asked the question about mental health, and okay. uh, so I appreciate that. Oh. Well, thanks for joining us, Tom. I really appreciate it. And back to Phyllis. To me? Oh, okay. So anything else that you think we really should know about? I mean, the, the question is how to encourage people to get help when they don't realize they need help. And I, I track sometimes on TV. I sometimes write blog posts of shows that really help because I believe that fictional stories can help people take real actions. So is there any uh, concerted effort to work with TV drama shows, for example, to, to encourage military help for families? There's a group called the Entertainment Industry Council, EIC, and they work very closely with agencies on these sorts of topics. And they've had the uh, VA has had very good luck. I know DOD has talked to them, too. And the EIC, EIC picks a theme, and they convince Hollywood writers to support this theme. And... Um, there has been some attempts at the PTSD piece. I, I worry. Uh, I worry about our veterans. I think that um, we're not doing uh, as good a job as we could to message their strength and resilience and the remarkable capabilities they bring back to the civilian world. But it's very. But I understand how it works. It's very hard to talk about PTSD, TBI, um, and at the same conversation talk about how strong and resilient they are now for those who work with veterans in, mil in, in the military community 
they're not independent thoughts. I mean, you know, right. it's, it's a cohesive thought that, yes, they are strong and resilient, and uh, PTSD and TBI or anything else has nothing to do with it. Um, Let me ask you a question. Um, do I have your permission to send an email to you? I actually have written a TV drama that it's based on L.A. Veterans Court, which is an amazing, I'm sure you know about the Veterans Court, and it's an amazing experience. That, and talk about not getting out the information. So I'd love to just write you about what I'm trying to get off the ground. Maybe you have some advice. Um, so I, would, I? I would love to look at it, absolutely. Okay, so William Selby will give me your email afterwards. Is that okay? Well, you can get it through Bruce or anybody else. They have a complicated email address. It's, it's ridiculously complicated. But um, we'll, we'll get you an email address to make sure that I get it. As do we all now, ma'am. Yeah, amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, does anybody else have any follow-ups? Roger that. Just, oh. just one quick thing. The, the sure. link for the, um, the education being in-state tuition, will, how will that be forwarded via email, or how would I expect that? Ma'am? I'm sorry. That's okay. I was not a very good student. I'm listening now. Tom, what was it again? I'm sorry. I apologize, ma'am. Uh, uh, just a follow-up for the link. That uh, How will I be receiving that? Will it be via email? Well, the uh, information, you know, it may not be a link, but I'm going to send you information about in-state tuition. That would be uh, great. You betcha. And you know what? Um, if you don't mind pushing that out, um, everybody, and letting folks know what the truth is, it would be very helpful. And we're going to find a way to get the word out there a little bit better, too. Um, you know what? I, I wanted to make sure that uh, Barbara Thompson of Family Readiness and Dr. Mahandra had a chance to highlight anything. And I know um, there was one emphasis that Dr. Mahandra wanted to put on the confidential counseling. Yes, hi everybody. I just wanted to ensure that everyone was aware of both the eligibility and the scope of non-medical counseling. And the non-medical counseling offered through Military One Source and the MFLAC program is absolutely confidential. The only reason that the confidentiality, confidentiality would be broke is if there were concerns about safety for self or others. Otherwise, every session of non-medical counseling is completely confidential, not shared with the chain of command, and there at times, I'm a veteran, by the way, and I understand that the senior leaders in the services want to know what's going on with their junior staff, and they may try to ask, is this individual engaged with MPLAC or military one-source non-medical counseling? That information will not be shared. It is absolutely confidential, and we stress that with our service members and family members when they call every time. Again, I've already said it, but I wanted to stress that Military One Source and the Military and Family Life Counseling Program are open and available for all active duty, National Guard, and Reserve Service members and their families, regardless of activation status, up to 180 days post-discharge, and for survivors of casualties, they are eligible for life. All errors, right? All errors. Does so not matter matter what battle or war. So here's a news nugget for you. I promise you this will come as a shock to your communities that a Gulf War survivor can call military one person and get counseling. Absolutely. World War II caregiver who is finally at her wit's end can call and get counseling. That's a huge deal, and I promise you not many people know. And in, in, in my closing comment, I just want to recognize that because this is the month that we honor military families, 
we like to say here in the department that families also serve. You're here. And, you know, please extend my greatest gratitude for their sacrifice and dedication to this country. Without them, our service members could not be the fabulous force that they are. You're here. Absolutely. Well put. Well, thank you all very much, and thank you for your time today. Thanks for your questions and your comments. Uh, the, today's program will be online at dodlive.mil, uh, and I will have the audio from this. Uh, more likely tomorrow morning I'll have that up, the MP3 for download. Uh, I'd like to actually put another note out there, and I'm not sure if everybody is familiar. Um, d does everybody remember Michelle Cowell? She wrote for military, My Military Matters. Yeah. Okay, uh, Phyllis, and I'm sure Phyllis and and uh, Tom, you've done roundtables with her uh, before. She was a, a military spouse. Her husband was in the Navy. She and she served and and uh, did a lot of work with outreach for military families. She, I, I thought it would be a nice thing to put out there. Um, she passed away this past Tuesday. Um, so I wanted to say a special thanks to her for all everything that she did. I'm going to go ahead and send her uh, once it's completed. But she did a lot of outreach for us and oh, for her. So, um, oh, William, thank you so much for bring, bringing uh, Michelle up. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, she did a lot of work for us. I was very appreciative of, of everything she did. So with that, sorry, not a down note. She was, she was fantastic. I, I, I thought it was very appropriate that we um, bring her name up today. Absolutely. So, Thank you, everybody, for your time, and uh, uh, feel free to disconnect at this time. Well, I also want to remind oh, everybody, sorry. I'm sorry, hashtag MyMillFam on social media this month. You'll see and hear the voices of service members, their families, survivors. It's really quite a social media campaign. Hashtag MyMillFam.